Welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I'm your host, Christy Love. I believe in taking massive action to overcome life's biggest challenges because I know the rewards that lie on the other side. This show is a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to help you level up in your life. Here's to a new you where your dedication, commitment, and staying true to yourself will make your wildest dreams come alive. I'm a transformational trainer, speaker, firm mama, and proud wife to a distinguished Navy SEAL. We believe in the motto, never give up, never quit, while doing it all with love. I'll share real talks with experts and thought leaders who offer proven strategies to turn your barriers into success in this unfiltered, transformational, and thought-provoking podcast. Let's do this. In today's episode, we have a special guest who has undergone a huge and personal transformational shift from six-figure drug dealer to six-figure empowerment business coach. She has taken what she's learned in life and is now helping other entrepreneurs to discover their inner strength, mindset, and business strategies to grow their own business. I can't wait to hear all about how she does it all. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Mia Bolden to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. Hi, Mia. Hey, Christy. How are you? Great. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so glad you are here. I heard about your story and I was like, wow, this is this is interesting. I want to know all about, about this because this is a transformational shift that I have never heard about. Right. <laughs> it is a story. I must tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, share our listeners your whole transformation, where you came from and what brought you to where you are today, this magnificent woman that you are just doing big things now. Well, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Yes. So I'll try to give you the shorter version if I can. Let's see. All right. So we'll start kind of like when I was in my 20s. So I'm from Pensacola, Florida. Um, I pretty much grew up between here and Hawaii. My mother's Hawaiian. So I have family that's over there in Hawaii. When I turned 18, I was the first thing smoking out of Pensacola. I was like, I got to get out of here. I was just ready for something bigger. And I went and I stayed with some family members in um, North Carolina. And so I loved it up that way. And my family, one of my family members that was there, he actually did sell drugs. Um, And I was at the point at that time where I kind of was just young, dumb, doing what it is I wanted to do, kind of trying to find my way. I I was bartending. I still was bartending and waiting tables. But he had this opportunity that kind of presented itself to me. And he's like, I can put you in the game, if you will. And he's like, I could, you know, help you make a lot of all this money. And I honestly, I saw him, you know, he was a pretty big wig uh, in the drug community. (laughs) So I saw him making like all this money. And that is what a lot of people do is they chase the money instead of chasing their passion or their dreams or whatever it is that they want to do. And that's what I did. And honestly, I tell people I did make good money doing that. And I do like to clarify this when I say, you know, drugs and not saying that it's right, but I wasn't doing like hardcore drugs. It was weed that I sold. Um, not saying that it's, it was a right thing, but yeah, so I did. I made really good money doing that. Like I was the girl, you know, back in the day making those bad mistakes, but I was the one where people would come and they would get pretty big amounts for me. And I was able to make a hundred 
K plus a year. And I'm sure more than that, because at that time, as quick as I was making it, I was spending it, spending it on my friends, spending it on other family members, just doing whatever. Um, Because I really just didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. So I was just living like that fast life. And it got to a point, it was right in my 30s. So I did that pretty much all of my 20s, well, a good amount of my 20s. And at that point, I was going through a really bad breakup. So me and my fiance at the time, we broke up. Everybody around me, I tell people, this is when it got real deal Holyfield. Everybody around me started going to jail. My cousins were going to jail. The people I was hanging around was going to jail. I had really, I was going into my 30s and I really got tired of looking over my shoulders or worrying about when somebody was knocking at the door or when I was in my car, like, oh, there's the police lights, you know, like that game gets really old pretty fast, you know, so I got tired of that. And what I had to do to make the shift is I literally had to take myself out of that environment. And I moved back here to Pensacola, Florida. And with that, that's kind of where the transformation began. Honestly, in the beginning, when I moved back, I was really in a bad rut. I've always been kind of like that motivator, that go-to, kind of like that leader, just always been that my life. And because I was at a real bad rut at 30, I'm starting all over again. I was the, I'm was i the oldest sibling out of all my siblings. So they're all in the medical field. My mother's the medical field. You know, my siblings are in the medical field. And here I am at 30, didn't graduate college, didn't have a job, was selling drugs, didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. Had to make that phone call nobody wants to make. Mom, I got to come back home. So I really hit a really bad rut in my life. My self-esteem started going low. My confidence was low. I had hit my heaviest weight. At that point, I got up to 300 pounds. And that was just not the light. Like, I just didn't like that path I was going on. So with that, I started kind of working on myself. I was like, okay, Mia, you got to get it together, girlfriend. You know, I had that pep talk with myself. And at that point, I started to go and work out, which is what most people do. They're like, oh, got to lose weight. Let's go to the gym. And honestly, I was like how most 80% of other ladies are. They're like, yeah, I don't like this gym. Everybody's looking at me. They're judging me. Or at least that's what we think in our head. When I tell people now, in reality, nobody's really paying attention to you. (laughs) That's what I was thinking about at that time. And so I didn't like going to the gym. And I was like, I want to do something fun and something that made me feel good and build my confidence up. And I remember when I stayed in North Carolina and Atlanta and in Hawaii, they had burlesque studios or pole fitness studios, hip hop cardio, you know, and I was looking for something like that here. And I tell people I've always been a hustler at heart. As I say, I've always hustled, always know how to make some money. And I'm an entrepreneur. I tell people I just had this gift. And I'm like, I know I'm not the only person here that wants to boost up their confidence, feel good about themselves, get a good workout in. So the longest story short with that, I opened up my uh, studio. We do vertical pole fitness. Yoga is my first love. Um, So I got my yoga certification. I wasn't teaching vertical pole. I had an instructor that came in, did our certification program and did that. Um, I taught yoga. Um, We started doing burlesque cardio, all of these other classes. And within that, I started feeling like old me again. Like I was feeling back, you know, self-esteem was up, confidence was up, feeling good about myself. And like I said, I've always kind of been that go-to girl. So within my classes, because of the type of classes we had, um, and we have small classroom sizes, ladies would just naturally start coming up to me. And I realized this pattern is ladies weren't coming in just for fitness, if you will, they were coming in to boost their confidence. I've been married for 20 years. I don't feel good about myself anymore. Ladies would come up to me and say they were sexually abused in the past and they wanted to just 
be okay with their sexuality and feel good to be a woman or ladies were come, overcoming diseases and things like that. And they would just start opening up and asking for advice. And so I started giving them advice on how I overcame a lot of things in my life. And then they would come back and say, thank you so much. You helped me out. I, you know, you got me back on my feet. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm liking this. Like this was really making me feel good that I was helping these ladies do this. And I was like, I wish I could do more of this. And at that time, I started really working on my personal development, doing these things. I was networking in the community and I was just mentioning it to a colleague of mine. And she said, have you ever thought about coaching? And I was like, well, what is coaching? You know, <laughs> I had never heard about coaching. And she, you know, told me about it. And I was like, shut the front door. That's what I've been doing with these ladies like this whole time. And like, I felt like that's what I was doing. They would tell me their problems. I was helping them out with things that I've overcome. And then with that, I looked into it. And so I got certified through ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation. And with that, that's where I started my venture off as a body image and confidence coach. Then I started getting asked to get to speak at like different events, then started like big conferences. And like, it just kind of like snowballed. Like we heard about you. We heard you're good on stage. Can you come speak? And then I started coaching, speaking and wrote my book and long story short, kind of like that's how I'm here today. <laughs> wow. What a story. What a transformation. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Well, let's go back yeah. to your twenties, your twenties. Mm -hmm. That's the time where you knew you had a gift, but you were just like many of us when we were twenties or eighteens or nineteens. We're confused. We're confused, and all right. this stuff is coming around, surrounding <laughs> us. And we have what do they call it? Deer with the headlights. You know, everything is yes. glamorous and flashy. And we want to be this, mm -hmm. want to be that. And so you got into that game. You did get into that game. At that time, did you know that you were made for more? Did you know that one day that you're going to come out of that? Honestly, I will say I knew that I've always been a leader. I learned that from my grandmother, bless her. I, she really taught me um, when I moved to stay with her in North Carolina for some years. She always taught me how to be a leader, not a follower, how to speak up for myself, how to do those things. So honestly, and I, I joked with this on stage, I said, I've always been a leader. It's just a, there was a point in my life when I was leading people doing down the wrong path, you know, because yes, I was selling drugs, but then I had the people behind me selling drugs, you know, so I've always had that leader type role. And when I really thought about it, like in the, it was fun, you know, making the money, but yes, yeah, something inside of me always was telling me there's something more like somewhere I just wasn't getting fulfilled. Like it was fun at first. And I, I can't say that poor Mia story because I did enjoy it, if you will, but I just knew there was something that's inside of me that was bigger than that. And I always tell people, and that's what my book is about, how to discover your life's purpose after 30. What the fudge am I here for? And that's what I talk about is at a younger age, we always have that inside of us. We were born with a purpose. We're born for a reason as to why we're here on this earth. But we always tend to, I say, we're the only species that will go down that other path, that deer in the headlights. Oh, here's this money. You can make it. Let's go down that. And then that's what you focus on versus that intuition or that pull that's inside of you. And I feel like if I would have really listened to that, I would have been leading something totally different. So yes, I kind of knew it, but I was just doing the wrong thing. Right. You said that you had a great family though. And it's not like you had a good family home. You had many siblings mm -hmm. who are doing very well now in the medical field, but you were mm -hmm. like the black sheep of the family, but you were the oldest. Right, so right. family think about you during that time? Or how was your family relationship at that time? 
Right. Well, really, if, let's back this up before my 20s. So I am the oldest and it's a seven year difference between me and my little two sisters and then my youngest, my little brother. So it's a seven year difference between me and my next sister and kind of just a little backstory on that. So my mother is Hawaiian Chinese. My biological father is black. My stepdad is Filipino, but he's been my dad. He's He's been there since I was five years old. And that's kind of all I knew. So growing up, I had a really good background with my family. I never knew my dad, never met my biological father, never met him. But right around when my sister was born, I tell people, this is where my very first body image like I realized that I was comparing my body and my skin type to somebody else because my mother's Hawaiian Chinese. My stepdad's Filipino. That is the family that I grew up around. And then my sister came home and I was like, wait a minute. Now she does. She's not as dark as me. Like what is going on here? You know? And so um, I started at that point. That's where I kind of started wanting to find my own way. Right. So Really, I started going down the wrong path, if you will, before my 20s, because I started trying to find who Mia was. I felt like something started disconnecting with my family. I didn't feel close to them. I literally did feel like the black sheep of the family. I felt like I was this outsider. And then it was them because it was mom, dad, and their biological children. And then here I was over here who looked completely different. My skin was darker. My hair is way bigger. We look totally different. And so I tried to start finding myself. That is when I really did start finding, I just started hanging out with the wrong crowds. I just picked the wrong crowds. So I started doing things like, you know, not really bad, like sneaking out to go to the skating ring. You know, (laughs) I would do like, you know, stay out on, you know, out to my friend's house all night. And I started doing things like that. And then there was a point where I kind of ran away. And that's when I really felt my mother knew that I was trying to find myself. Um, And that's when she sent me to go stay with my grandmother in North Carolina because my grandma in North Carolina was Hawaiian Chinese and her husband was black, my grandpa. So all my aunts and uncles up there were Hawaiian and black. And so my cousins. And so I relate. And my mother did that. You know, growing up, I will say I I felt like she did it because she didn't love me and she just wanted to be there with that family and kind of push me away. You felt that during that time? Absolutely. And not to kind of jump over all over the place, but I really did not realize I had this aha moment until I was probably 33, 34 years old. That's how long it took. Me and my mother, we're closer than we have ever been. Like people see us now and they're like, I wish we had, you know, that we had that relationship. Wasn't always like that because I did have that animosity. You sent me away to stay with grandma. You didn't love me like you love them. And not knowing when I had that aha moment that maybe she saw that I was trying to find my identity. And that was something she couldn't give me, you know, because my family down there, I couldn't relate to them like I could to my family that was in North Carolina. So that's why I said, you know, I definitely had a good family, but I did have that past where I was like, you know, off the chain, if you will. Um, and (laughs) And then I did come back and I moved. So my grandma, that was one of the best things because my grandmother taught me who I am today to be a leader. She taught me how to take care of myself. She taught me how to speak up for myself. And so I really think that that was one of the best moves. But growing up, I didn't think so. I thought I was doing that as a punishment, if you will. And my mom kind of, of course, when I was in my 20s, when I moved away from North Carolina or moved back to North Carolina, she didn't know that I was doing like the drug dealing and all all she knew was bartending and waiting tables. (laughs) And then it finally came around when I was like, oh, my cousin went to jail. And then she was like, okay, I see what you've been doing. And so, yeah. Bad old girl, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I got a story. I tell you, this chapter is all over my book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
But it, it's so great to hear that you need to find yourself, you need to find a community. I know for me, I moved many mm-hmm. times uh, with my mom and stepdad since I was like three, but my safe mm-hmm. heaven was going back to Detroit. That's where my family was. And that's where I felt oh, okay. at home with and those are the people who I can relate to. And I go there every summer, mm-hmm. every, uh, every Christmas. So it's so, so hard yeah. to leave because that was my safe haven. Those are the people that look like me, who act like me, who are, right. you know, and <laughs> who I grew up with. So I completely understand that. Now you are 300 pounds. Good Lord. Yeah. Now what do yes. you do to get down to a healthy weight? Well, just like I said, that's when I had, I moved back to Pensacola um, and I was going through that bad breakup at the time, the guy that I thought I was going to marry, which I'm very happy now that I did not, because that was not the path I should have been on at all. He was a drug dealer as well. That was just, I just lived that lifestyle. I was like, like all in it, but he was a drug dealer and he was the cheating drug dealer, the staying out all night. And I tell people I was never physically abused, but definitely emotionally and mentally. And then the last time he did say he wanted to marry me, I was like, once again, took him back. Okay. And then came home and he's in the house, in the bed with somebody else. So that's where that confidence went low. Self-esteem went low. My cousins were moved, you know, they all went to jail. So I was like, oh, my Lanta. And so when I moved back home to Pensacola, I just hit a really bad depression. And that's my thing was food. It was like, eat, eat. It's like, let's just stay in the house and let's just eat all the food. And I went back to waiting tables and bartending. And I tell people I did it at the wrong place. It was at an amazing, great soul food restaurant. So I was depression and soul food. So I was like, every time I was depressed, I was like mac and cheese, fried chicken, collard green, you know. So that's where the 300 pounds came (laughs) off. That's how I, it was that depression and self-esteem was low. And I was just eating my way to happiness, if you will. And before I knew it, I was like, shut up. I'm, I got on the scale and that's when I woke up. I literally, I'll never forget. I got on the scale and it said two, 297. And I was like, you have got, I am like, a burger away from hitting 300 pounds. Like you've got to be kidding. Me. You know, I mean, not long, I was like, uh, no ma'am. And so that was kind of like that first wake up call. Okay. And then just like I said, I did go to the gym, but I didn't like it. it was like, I literally opened my studio trying to get healthy myself, if that makes sense. Those are things that, are, you don't, that you're doing that you don't really feel like you're working out. You're actually having a great time. Right. You're actually having fun. And that's what I did. And so I met one of my friends, Rashida. She's a certified Zumba instructor. And I told her about the burlesque cardio idea. And she was like, I'd love to do that. And so she taught it. And I was kind of like the business behind it because I was a hustler. So I kind of hustled. I put marketed, whatever. And so like the classes, I, I'll never forget. I rented out the student. The, there was a right across from where I bartended at. There was a building. A old, we called it the Old Bunny Club. It was an old historic club here in Pensacola. Um, I rented it out one hour a day, one day per week. I would promote. She would teach the class. And before I knew it, we would have 20, 30 ladies in there each and every week saying, this was so much fun. I felt good about myself. I was confident. I didn't know my body could move like that. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm on to something. You know, and then that's when I literally I I went to my first yoga class, which is random. Never thought that I would like yoga. I went to yoga and then I jumped all in like a nut and I did a hot yoga class. 
And I was like, shut the front door. Y'all pay for this. Like, what the fudge? You know, what I, mean? I was like, what is going on here? And I tell people when I laid on that mat and I was in Shavasana in your resting pose at the end of class, that is when I really felt I can distinctly say that something really hit in my life. I started crying and I didn't even know why I was crying. Like I felt something releasing off of me. And yoga does that. There's a lot of things that yoga has to do with your mind, with mental, spiritual and your body, you know, and I just started crying and I just knew I was on the right path with that. And I got certified in yoga. I started teaching those classes and then we opened up a studio and that's how I was able to lose the weight myself. And yeah. <laughs> so much passion. So I can see how people are attracted to you because you really have so much, you know, excitement about the things that you do. So you mm-hmm. started the group, you started coaching other people and helping them mm-hmm. do amazing things and helping them change their lives as well. And that led you to coaching. Yes, that led and me to coaching. Forth and got a certification in coaching. I did. Yep. So yeah, because honestly, and the reason I did that, because at that time, just like I said, I was kind of working on myself and then it was presented to me. And I I really already fell in love with the feeling that I had to help other ladies. And just I like that is my go. Like, that's my jam. The reason I do what I do and I say this, whether it's at my studio or coaching is just having women believe in themselves, because I know that power of belief is everything you need. Somebody sometimes you need somebody to believe in you in yourself or in you before you even believe in yourself um, to keep you going. So I really love doing that. And then when somebody told me about coaching and I was like, I can get paid for this, you know? (laughs) And then at that time, honestly, I didn't know about coaching. So that's why I went and got certified because I really still didn't know, like, is there rules to this? Was there things I should know? So that's why I went and got certified through ICF. Okay, now ICF, did that help you like gain more platforms, I guess you could say, to start your business or was that strictly coaching business? I don't think honestly that it really helped me, you know, get any more in my coaching business. More than anything, I tell people what I got, what I got out of, because technically you don't, I tell people all the time, you don't necessarily have to get certified to be a coach. You just have to be able to help somebody else with what it is that you've overcome or teach somebody something that just naturally comes easy to you. For me, the biggest thing I got out of ICF, honestly, was me getting coached myself. Because throughout that program, you actually have to do one-on-one sessions with the master coach. So I was able to release a lot of things that I was holding on the inside. I was able to see the process myself go through the process and see the power of those powerful questions and all of that. And so I loved that experience. So the the main thing that I got out of that was being coached myself, seeing the process and how you can release, you know, what you have inside of you um, with those powerful questions and things like that. So awesome. So you help women with mm-hmm. body image and confidence. So when people come mm-hmm. to you with body image, is that more weight issues that they're experiencing or is it just someone's, you know, verbally abusing them, physically abusing them, and they come to you to try to get over that? Mm-hmm. It's actually a little bit of all of that. Now, I will tell you this, and I'll go back to, to answering that. Absolutely. So I started off as a body image and confidence coach because that's what I just overcame. I was here at the studio, and that's what I was just attracting a lot of, you know? So that's where I started. I have transitioned now to an empowerment business coach because over the years, ladies were asking me, how did you start your coaching business? How did you start doing your empower your women? Because I also host women empowerment retreats. How did you 
you start doing your retreats? How did you start your online course? Like all of this. So I noticed I started coaching on like, okay, step one, do this, step two. And I started helping them and they would start opening their business. And I love it because I realized with just starting off as a body image and confidence coach, that one thing that was missing from a lot of business programs is the confidence. Because I say, you can know all the funnels, you can hire all the coaches, you can do all the marketing, but until you have the confidence in yourself and you're empowered and those limiting beliefs and those mindset blocks are gone, when it's time to get in front of the camera, get on a podcast, get on a clarity call, price your program, all of that, if your confidence isn't in check, I always say you won't do the other steps that follows. So that's what I do now as an empowerment business coach. But to go back, because I start off with uh, confidence and then work on the business side, but to go back to confidence coaching, when I started off, honestly, it was all of the above. And really it stemmed from a lot of past traumas, whether it was past abusive relationships, past sexual abuse, getting picked on when they were in school, you know, because of their body image. And so it really had a lot to do with more so confidence, I would say, even though I did just say body image, it would more so confidence and overcoming those things. It kind of meshed now that I'm thinking about it, it really just meshed too, because it was even body image when they were sexually abused. They don't want anybody to look at their body. They didn't even like looking at their body or getting picked on in school. Same thing. You don't want anybody looking at your body. You don't want to look at your body, right. you know, and things like that. And so I just helped them with things that I had went in my past and how I overcame that. And I helped them, you know, just giving them tips of what I did. So yeah, confidence mm-hmm. is so huge. I'm a confidence coach as well. And that's mm-hmm. the first thing you have to do before you do anything is get that mindset right. Get the limiting beliefs out the door, overcoming that fear and know that you can do it. You can continue to move forward with, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of what happened in the past. Okay. This is a new day. We have to move. We have to keep moving forward. If we're going to achieve anything in life. And that is exactly what you have done. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I would agree with you a hundred percent. So you have this book out. Tell us a little bit about this book. Yes. So one thing, you know, I when I was doing body image and confidence coaching and I was speaking on stage, I guess my story, because I just have this story of there and where I'm at now. And, you know, we all have a story. People would just ask me, how did I transition into that? You know, how did you find your purpose? Like, how did you start coaching and getting on stage? Like, how did that happen? And I mean, I would get this from a lot of women and um, I really found it. It was a lot of ladies that were over 30 because in the twenties, I feel like that's the time we're kind of finding ourselves or, you know, we're, we're going to college or we're going with wherever our friends are going, or I fell in love and I'm over here chasing that or whatever. So you're kind of really finding yourself. I feel in your twenties, in your thirties, from what I've found out and what I've experienced, that's when you kind of wake the fudge up. If you will, if I would say it like that. And that's when you're kind of like, when I did, and that's literally the title of my book, when I sat down and it's like, what the fudge am I here for? Like, I know that, and I went back to that pull, that voice that was inside of me, like something kept telling me like, Mia, you are here to do something else. And so working with my coach at that time, I found these steps that we had to take to finding your life's purpose. And I started coaching ladies with those steps. And that's how I found my, you know, finding my life's purpose. And so that's what I did. I put it in a book, a little bit about my past and how I discovered my purpose and my passion. And that's how I came up with how to discover your life's purpose after 30. What the fudge are we here for? <laughs> I got to get that book. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely put it down in below your description. 
of your book. Absolutely. It sounds like something that absolutely everyone can benefit from. When you're helping people find your purpose, can you give our listeners like three tips, tips or strategies on how to start finding their purpose? Yeah, well, my first thing I tell people all the time is to definitely just sit down and make a list of things that you used to like to do when you were a kid or growing up. And I know that we've heard this, but just like I said, and this is just my theory, I believe wholeheartedly, and I tell people I'm not here to preach to you, but I believe my man upstairs, your higher power, whomever put us on this earth for a reason. It is not just to go to school, go to college, get married, pay some bills, take a vacation once a year, and then you die. I really feel like there is a reason that we are here on this earth and we're born with it, but then we start getting programmed in school because my thing is when I did this list, because I tell people everything I preach, I do it myself. I practice what I preach. So when I did this list, one of the things that kept coming up was talking. I've always been a talker. I remember when I was, (laughs) I've always been that. When I was in school, I remember, you know, even at home, quit talking so loud. Use your inside voice. When I was in school, it was like, quit talking so much, you know, pay attention to da, 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 da. But then when I started becoming a motivational speaker and I was like, I get paid to talk. That is what I get paid to do is to stand on stage and use this gift of gab. And I tell people, if I would have gotten honed in then and somebody would say, okay, you like to talk. Well, then you go to the board and lead this. Let's hone in. Let's talk about public speaking. Let's do get, you know, improve on those skills. But society tells us, no, you stop daydreaming, go back to your work. Nope, don't worry about this is what's important here. So I tell people your first step is to always go back, no rhyme or reason, and write down what you like to do as a kid. I like to explore. I like to laugh. I like to travel. I like to play in dirt. I like to work with my hands. I always remember working on toy cars, whatever your thing is. And I tell people that's the first step because somewhere in lies in that has to do with your passion and your purpose. And I've had many people that's went down that path and be like, I forgot I used to love to do, mm," you know, and so they start following that. So that would be my first thing. My second thing is to definitely think about or to ask yourself this is what can you do and not get paid for it? What is it that you could do all day long and not expect a paycheck out of it? What I do right now, I could do it and not get paid for it and still deliver with the same passion that I do right now because I love getting on stage and talking. I love watching the transformation of ladies that I help. I love leading. That's always kind of been my thing, you know. Um, so ask yourself that. What is it that you can do, you know? And there's so many things out here you can travel and you can explore and whatever. Um, so writing that down. And then I tell people, once you write that down, because we live in this day of age of wonderful internet, is Google it. See if, see, okay, so you could say like, I could get paid all day to explore. And it's popping into my head because this is one of my last clients I help her out with. She always, she's a nurse right now, has an amazing nursing job. She's like one of the highest paid black female managing nurses at, she was the only black female managing nurse, the first one at our local hospital. But she said she just didn't enjoy her job. She didn't like it. And when we did this exercise, she said exploring was always something she's always loved to do is exploring and playing in dirt. Now she travels and hosts women and women retreat. Yeah. Playing in dirt, right? So who I was like, well, girl, that's not um, that's definitely not on my list. So you know, and that's <laughs> but I'm saying that's the thing is what's what's for you, that's for you. So she loved to do that. 
Now she hosts sold out women retreats all the time. And that is what they do. They go to Egypt, they go to India, they go to Africa, they go to all these things and they are explorers. And that's what she leads. And she makes a killing doing that. And that's what I say. We follow this path that is not, you know, and she, and I was like, why'd you start nursing? Because her mom was a nurse. That's what everybody, they know that her friends started nursing school and they made good money. So that's what she did, you know? So definitely thinking about what you could do all day not get paid for it, and then look it up on the internet and see how you can get started. Because I can guarantee you, and I always love a challenge to your lovely listeners if they don't feel like they can get paid for what they love doing and naturally do. But there's somebody, there is a profession out here or there's somebody out here doing that and you know, making a living off of what they love to do. Um, I always say my definition of success is doing what you love and getting paid for it. And I believe that that's something that can be achieved by all of us. So those would be my three tips there. <laughs> awesome. That is right. So we're going to go back to our childlike state and find out something that we are passionate about, that we love to do, that we used to do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking of a couple of things. Uh, I used to love to dance. And I, I dance in my room by myself and act silly every mm-hmm. day. And what can you do all day and not get paid for it? And then Google it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then look it up. And look it up. Yep, then look it up. Mm-hmm. Look it up and then find out how you can make that your dream, your dream life. Your Absolutely. And I love to hear that you say you just dance. I was talking to um, another lady yesterday. She is also, she's a confidence coach, but she's also, she's a dance major and she's incorporated the two. So she does dance and confidence coaching. And and that's one thing that I tell people as far as boosting your confidence is to turn on some music as loud as you can and dance like no one's watching. If y'all never heard that quote, right? And so the energy and that vibration, that is a huge confidence booster. You're not worried about how you look, who's around you. So yeah, that's something you could do, girlfriend. (laughs) Dance do something that makes you feel happy, increase that vibration and make it happen. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Mia Bolden. I am so glad you're on the show. We had some great nuggets, and I love hearing your story. I love hearing your story, and I love mostly where you are right now, what you're doing. You're doing huge, big things, and you're making things happen, helping other people to experience or find their passion and their dreams. Well, I really do appreciate that. And I just like I said, I really do appreciate you having me today. Thanks again, Mia. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. For more inspiring conversations, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or feedback, you can reach me directly at beseenbelovedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.